Japanese people just put on a mask. They were like, for the greater good, no problem. Mm. Um, I think Andy struggles more with that. But for me, because it's something from my childhood, I mean, it's just very natural. It makes sense. Um, well, it's interesting because there's such an ancient culture. Like yes. Andy was telling me that he went to, he was doing a tour there. I mm-hmm. believe it was with you. Yeah. And someone showed you guys like a mill or some, some sort of building. Yeah. That was twice as old as America. Yeah. It and was so like that a, put everything in perspective. For it was him. like a house, a, like a wooden house and a mill still standing in like pristine condition because they take care of it. Um, yeah. Like twice as old as America. And we were like, wow the culture here i mean we've we've been to a lot of countries in asia and you know china is one of those places where you look at china's history and you know like like their history is there's such longevity there and the china that we know today is not original china like they have like looking at their progression mm. over history i just think is so fascinating america's harder because we're so young so we're right now witnessing you know our own progression but it's not like looking at three thousand years worth of history right you know i mean native americans were here but we don't have that written history so. it makes you think is that where we we could be going if we last that long you know, it's really interesting. I, I, so I'm a giant dork and I am a huge fan of Star Trek. I'm like, Star Trek Next Gen is yeah. one of my favorites. And so the whole idea that one day we could be like this, you know, utopia on Earth, at least, where, you know, like money isn't, like, I think there's no currency, I'm pretty sure, in Star Trek. Everybody has roles they fill. Everybody's needs are mad. There's this definite part of me that's like, that could happen one day in theory. But communism is also a good theory. (laughs) And like practically it will probably never, ever work. Um, So it's... It's one of those things where, you know, I have faith in humanity, but I'm also realistic. You know, we could do a lot of things. Lots of things are possible. Mm -hmm. Are we ever going to get there? I don't know. It would be, I mean, it just seems like the world would be such a better place if, if we didn't have this inherently tribal DNA. Yeah. Where we're just not, like we said, like I said earlier, like territorial apes with thermonuclear <laughs> weapons yeah and you yeah. know unfortunately that's just what we are as human beings and mm-hmm. i i can't see in the near future any way to get past that threshold yeah but i figured out if, if we could somehow figure out how to get past that i think you know like i said your your vision of some utopian world of people that all get along and there's yeah. no borders or boundaries and right i mean i i agree with you i think near future i don't see it um is it is it possible yes um there is a ton of work that would need to be done i think um i was just reading a book that was talking about um like the scarcity mindset And the scarcity mindset is what drives people 
to hoard and to compete and to be like, you know, there might be five apples and five of us, but I'm going to take three just in case. And they're like that, that mindset gets us all in trouble. Like if you look at, if you really looked at resources and how they could be divvied out, like if we actually entertained all the options that were possible, there really would be enough. Um, for everybody like there would at least be enough for basics for everybody but that doesn't seem to be good enough for enough people like people who have control people who have leverage so that just makes you know creates inequality it keeps inequality going um so yeah i just i think it's a long road i think it's definitely possible i think People are working towards it. What do you think the best way for people to get out of that scarcity mindset is? So I think it's just believing that there is enough. Believing, like not being scared that at the end of this, like when I finish my sandwich, there will be no more sandwich. Like just don't be afraid, right? Like just know that I'm going to eat this meal and by the time the next meal needs to come around, it'll be there. There's enough, right? Like maybe it's not going to be a, you know, maybe it's not going to be a steak and a giant baked potato, but it will be enough. Like you will eat, you will be fed. Um, so just knowing, you know, like investing money, right? Like don't hoard your money, like use it because there will be more on the other end. You know, like if you keep working and you keep moving forward, then you're not going to be without. So that's one of the biggest, biggest, um, philosophical questions in life, right? Mm -hmm. Money versus time. Yeah. People chasing, you know, and neglecting their families and their children to chase money and to work. And you realize by the time most people who attain that extreme level of success or money or wealth or whatever it is, they realize once they get to the top of the mountain, it's not what they thought it was. Yeah, exactly. Andy Andy, uh, refers to it as uh, looking under skirts. He's He's like the more... The more people I meet, the more networking I do. He's like, the more skirts I get to look under, and the more I realize that's not what I thought it was going to look like under there. Right, Yeah, and so it's really, I think, about, like, really understanding what is your goal? Like, what is your goal? What is the purpose you're driving towards? (laughs) Because I think most of us, I mean, I admit this. I want to put up, put in the music. People think, oh, I'm going to go to the studio every day, and one of these songs is going to be a hit. Yeah, one of them songs gonna be hit, but not if you don't got no money. You have to have some money behind the song. Period. It ain't gonna work. Nobody's gonna hear. You're only gonna set yourself up for the these bigger artists who have money to be digging like they do. These bigger artists, they don't do anything but go on YouTube, find artists who don't got no money, and steal their shit. You feel me? They steal their shit. Yes, y'all know. Y'all heard about it. Oh, man, that was my song I made in 2015. That was my song I made in 2014. That is not fake. That's all real. They're going to go take your song and switch that shit around. So you need to stop putting out that fucking music and get a bag. Get the bag. You get more respect anyways from everybody, from the vloggers, from this person, from that person. 
They definitely want to see you come from the ground up, but they definitely want you to have everybody, like for me, right? I, like, I'm, I'm going to sign somebody, right? But me, I need a hustler like myself. You feel me? Like, you, like when you look at all these other artists who have these guys that they sign, notice that they sign big hustlers. Big time niggas that's getting money. Big, you know, niggas ain't really just going to sign and niggas that ain't got no type of hustle in them because it's almost like a drag. It's almost like a, you know what I'm saying? It's one of them like, damn, bro, you feel me? Like, niggas is looking for that, that hustling nigga, the nigga that make you excited when they come around because they always get to the bag. That's fun. You want a, you want a fun motherfucker. Like, you know that they always got their head out that's needy. You know what I'm saying? So most of the time, that's what people, like if it's a street guy, they looking for, if they got bags and they looking for niggas to sign, they looking for stuff like that, you know what I'm saying? So on the other end, as far as labels, they more look for younger shorties who they can kind of fuck over, you know what I'm saying? That's the new game right now. When you too smart, they don't really be wanting too much to deal with you because it's like, you too smart. <laughs> But we can get this little 17, 16, 15-year-old nigga that we can blow him up big and really check a bag off his ass because he don't know nothing about nothing. $50,000 is like $500,000 to him, a million dollars to him, you know what I'm saying? Get his ass a few little chains and then, shit, let him do a show. But we going to make majority of all the money off his this, off that, this, that. They basically just sucking the motherfucker dry, but they're going to make them super, super famous. You know what I'm saying? So that's why you see a lot of people that was real famous that's younger, not real, real rich. They don't be really rich. You know what I'm saying? You just be like, damn, I thought this person was like rich, rich. But nah, because the labels is getting rich as fuck off this person, but they spoon feeding them. You know what I mean? So... You just gotta have your paperwork in order. You gotta have your management in order. You gotta have your account in order. You have to have your lawyer on retainer. You know what I'm saying? You have to, um, you gotta have, if you ASCAP and uh, BMI shit together, you know what I'm saying? And it's basically just about having the finances, man. It's just like a business. Your music is a business. You know what I'm saying? And I just feel like a lot of people don't understand that. You, how are you so good at music? And then when it comes to the business or contracts or uh, finances, you don't know anything about it. But you talking about you you clearly just doing music for no reason. And in your head, you're not thinking that I'm going to be the biggest rapper in the world. Okay, what comes with being the biggest rapper in the world? Damn, lawyers, um, accountants, uh, taxes. Um, you feel me? That's how you gotta think. That's the only way that you gonna really be the top nigga in the world. You know what I'm saying? I don't see no other way of being the biggest rapper in the world if you ain't thinking like that. You know what I'm saying? You just going to the studio doing some music because clearly you're wasting your money. Also, if you go start your LLC, let's say whatever you call your LLC, Trap Boy or Big Dog LLC, right? So, if you got an LLC and it's about music, from the studio should be a write-off. When you go in the studio and you pay for your studio time, let's say if you spend five hours a day in the studio, everything should be a write-off. 
All the clothes you buy, you as an artist should be a write-off. The cars you're driving, it should be a write-off. Where you stand should be a write-off. You're an artist, you're an entertainer, always. Every, when you go in a strip club, you, I need 5,000 ones, but give me a receipt. You feel me? Get that to your account. That should be a write-off because you're an artist, you're a brand. But a lot of y'all niggas is just wasting y'all money and not knowing this though. When you go shoot that video, that's a write-off. When you go get that car for your video or hop on that jet for your video or whatever you got to do, it's all a write-off. It's just about being smart and knowing what you need to know to be a bigger artist. Like, this is how you... Like, be a successful music artist, bro. Like, without, you don't have to be real major. We're talking about a successful music artist. You know what I mean? Like, because, like I say, you can take over the music game, right? But you, most of these musicians, they are dipped off into other things that's making a lot of money. Whether it's real estate, whether it's this, whether it's that. That's where they real money come from. The music is cool. But, I mean, the fame level, man, you can go to it. Also, I'm going to tell y'all, you can actually, let's say you really like Interscope. Let's say you really like 300. You can actually go to them and, and let them know, like, hey, I want to partner with you guys. I want to I have a partnership. And you can basically pay them to help push you. You know what I'm saying? All this shit is not what people think, like, as far as, like, from the blogs to the, you know what I'm saying? All this shit is... Done right, but it takes some money, though. Don't be cheap. If you cheap, then people won't treat you like shit. You know what I'm saying? If, if they feel like you really believe in yourself, spend that bread, you're going to get far. But a lot of people who 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 have companies and who have business that are cheap don't get nowhere because it takes money to make money. No matter in what field you do, it takes Monster Cody, you can go get all you can go get all them OGs that that's that's on camera talking, and ask them to show you how they live and where they live, and you will see, man, they really homeless. OG Percy is a crack addict, huh? Everybody know he smoked crack, huh? That's a dope fiend. That's a dope fiend, huh? I ain't never smoked crack, so I'm saying, okay, that's why they love DMX. They loving the dope. Man, this is the dope crack babies. They despise their mamas, but they idolize the dope fiend rappers, the dope fiend gangsters, but they resent their mothers. They resent their grandmothers for being dope fiends. Only to look at these men to idolize, not look up to. They don't look up to these men. Idolize. So I'm saying, man, uh, the only reason we went back and forward is because I spoke on something and it was right. Y'all fighting for what, homie? Y'all for to do a fight for what? Two black men for to fight for what? So now... We done tricked the world to believe that only black men can solve their problems is in the boxing ring. Like yeah. you said, let's have the spelling bee, right? Man, a debate. <laughs> nigga, let's nigga, let's have a let's let's have a, a obstacle. Let's go do an obstacle course, nigga.
I challenge any grown man, homie, on this internet talking, nigga. Produce, this how you separate the man from the boy. Nigga, get out them corners. Take that camera out that corner and flip around. Let's see how you niggas living, homie. For you to have so much, see, this is what make me such a bad motherfucker. And I, I, yeah, I can pat myself on the back. See, because I can stand on this shit, my nigga. All the shit that I'm saying, I can stand on. I can pull your news articles. Man, I've been doing this. Man, let's come over here and do this. Come, I can do that. They can't, homie. They got to put themselves in front of the camera and talk for drama. I'm talking for change. It's just I got a bunch of niggas bringing a bunch of drama to me. I came to the internet positive. But I got so much hate on the internet, nigga, I'm going to reflect what's before me. I'm going to reflect what's before me, nigga. And you think I'm going to get an internet the real me? They going to keep getting this goddamn character that they tuned in. They'll never get the real me. You's a dumb motherfucker, Charleston White. You are a dumb bitch. And I would slap the fuck out your ass, nigga, if you were sitting right here saying some shit like that, nigga, about our profit, nigga. I don't give a fuck if you don't believe in it, you dumb motherfucker. I don't believe in the Buddhists. I don't believe in the Jehovah Witness. I don't believe they, they got the correct answers. But I'm not going to say nothing about their motherfucking religion, nigga. So you keep your motherfucking, keep your motherfucking bad thoughts to yourself, nigga. Okay, don't you speak about Islam, nigga, or even Christianity, nigga, talking that shit about God, nigga. And I pray that when you get to your grave, nigga, your ass will burn in hell, nigga, and the flesh will be burnt up, nigga, and your face will melt, nigga, as punishment from God, nigga, for the shit that you said, nigga. You talked all that motherfucking shit, nigga, while you was in your life, nigga, to try to impress motherfuckers on social media, nigga. I'm a dumb motherfucker. I'm a dumb motherfucker, but I still got respect for God, nigga. I still get on my motherfucking knees and pray and bow down, nigga. I ain't never met God, nigga, but whatever the fuck is out there, nigga, Nigga, I'm not going to threaten to talk shit about it, motherfucker. Dumb motherfucker talking about it ain't no God. Look around, you dumb motherfucker. Look at the trees, the apples, the oranges. Nigga, the Quran says we put sweet milk in cow's bellies for your ass. We gave you horses to ride. We gave you mules and donkeys to carry your loads to lands that you could never carry to, nigga, without hard struggle. He sends down water from that sky. How many other situations do we misread? And that's what the book's about. And I think the answer is lots. And, and you do talk about quite a few real underdogs in the book as well. And one of the examples you were mentioning at uh, lunch today was, uh, was about this girl's basketball team. Yeah. Tell us about that and how yeah. that was shaped. Well, this is one of the things I got, reasons I got started writing the book is that I ran into a guy, some of you may know, the guy who founded TIBCO, this Vivek Ranadif. I met him at a conference and didn't realize who he was. Weirdly, by the way, I had another experience with the, in this exact same thing where I met someone at a conference, did not realize where they were, who they were, and just had a conversation about sports as a result. 
The first person I did this with was Larry Page, <laughs> who I thought, I met him years ago, and I thought he was just a graduate student. And I had no idea. And so I was like, where did you go to school? Oh, you know, I'm from Michigan. So we just talked about Michigan State basketball for about 45 minutes. And then afterwards, people were like, do you know who you were talking to? And I had no clue. Anyway, I did the same thing with this guy, Vivek. So he started telling me about how he coached his daughter's, 12-year-old daughter's basketball team. And because he's Indian, he had no clue about basketball. So he goes to, I mean, <laughs> I, I can relate to that. OK, good, just checking. He had, there was no natural reason to assume he would know a lot about basketball. Uh, Underdogs. That's right, exactly. Uh, although only India, a country of a billion people, could claim to be an underdog. Um, so Vivek goes and studies in his kind of software engineer kind of way, goes to study basketball games, and becomes convinced that Americans are completely irrational in the way they play basketball because he doesn't understand why, if you are the weaker party in a game, you don't do the full court press all the time because you're going to lose otherwise, right? And by not playing the full court press, you are allowing your opponent to do the, precisely the thing that your opponent excels at, which is to, to pass and dribble and execute choreographed plays. Why would you speed their... Uh, their um, uh, their, uh, why would you? Why would you allow them to get? Why would you? Why would you give them the easiest possible route to doing the thing that makes them better than you? So he says, your only hope is to slow them down and to defeat them at the things they're not expert at, i.e., play the full court press. If it fails, so what? You're going to lose anyway. But at least you you've raised your chances of losing from. Uh, 95% to something to something less than 95%. Right? So he teaches this, takes this group of, and he this is relevant to him because his daughter's team is utterly without any talent whatsoever. These are <laughs> these are the very, very, very skinny, somewhat nerdy daughters of programmers from Silicon Valley. <laughs> um, so he does this, and he, his strategy is we're not going to learn, you're not going to learn how to shoot, dribble, or pass. Um, we're not even going to practice any kind of offensive plays. What you're going to do is we're, I'm going to get you in really, really good shape, and I'm going to teach you to do this for the entire game. And what happens is that if you do this for the entire game in a basketball game made up of 12-year-old girls, the other team will not advance the ball past midcourt. And so Vivek's team starts to win by scores like 8-0. And, <laughs> um, and they advance to the national championships. Um, it's, so, it's such a hilarious story. And of course, the opponents are so um, flummoxed by this, first of all, and then outraged, because the thing that Vivek is playing with his girls is not actually basketball, right? <laughs> if you don't dribble, pass, or shoot, um, 
and have no intention of so doing. And if the score at the end of the game is something like 6 nothing, that's not basketball. That's another sport. Um, and so they throw chairs on the court. They challenge him to fistfights in the parking lot. They scream at the refs. And he is sort of massively indifferent. To him, this is more of the strange idiosyncrasies of the American sporting personality. <laughs> and, uh, but I love what I, it, that's a, that is a lovely illustration of my very point because why does Vivek, why is he compelled to follow this strategy? Because he's got nothing, right? He's got bubkas. He, his girls are incapable of playing the game of basketball, right? So what does that do? It spurs him to find a completely alternate strategy that's far more successful. And this is, of course, the great story of innovation, right? That nothing, um, uh, uh, nothing acts as a greater spur to innovation than um, the absence of advantage. Um, so if that's the case, you know, there must be situations where it is not advantageous to have advantages, right? If his girls, the only situation where he's better off is if his girls are really talented. So there's a series of conditions. You can be, you could have no talent, you can have massive talent, and you can be anywhere in the middle. The only situation where he could also have reached a national championship is in the 99th percentile condition, where his team is massively talented. But, but had he been in anything other, so he's in the 1% condition. That's advantageous, because that forces you to play the full court press. The 99th percentile condition is advantageous. But the 2 through 98 is not advantageous. And he said in that Quran, what the fuck would you do if we took it away? What would you do if we took away the water? We can cause the earth to swallow you up. Wait till you get to your grave, motherfucker. Okay. Niggas can talk all that shit about me, whites, whoever the fuck. Nigga, Frisco Dom is a dumb motherfucker. I may be a dumb motherfucker, okay? But I believe in God, and I fear what is in the grave that is awaiting my bitch ass, nigga. Okay? I'm not going to play with no shit like that, nigga, or talk about some shit, nigga, that created this entire world and this goddamn universe, motherfucker. So you got some motherfucking balls on you, nigga, to try to talk shit, nigga, to a god that you don't even know if he's sitting there listening to your bitch ass, nigga. So keep on talking shit, nigga. Keep on talking shit, nigga. Okay? But you got to go to that grave. You got to go to that grave. Every motherfucker watching this video got to go to that grave. And you're going to have to face whatever the fuck is waiting for your bitch ass. Okay? And I see a God saying, nigga, all your motherfucking life you ignored me, motherfucker. You ignored me all your life. Now it is time for me to ignore your bitch ass, nigga. Now. Now. Send your bitch ass to hell, nigga. Ain't no motherfucking hell. I don't believe in it. You'll believe in it when you see it, bitch. You take that, you put it in your motherfucking pipe, and smoke it with your bitch.
bitch ass. Now what, motherfucker? Five dollars a day? It's like three. There. Come on. It's bro. like three something. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, just, yeah, I, I always give the invitation because I feel like um, um, the community, and it's hu- literally hundreds of people. Yeah. Hundreds of people on the call every single day. So make sure you uh, go to themorningmeetup.com. We also got a Patreon if you want to show love to your favorite podcast. Uh, just yeah. go to patreon.com forward slash David Never Sleeps, Javon. Yep. Uh, yeah. Forward slash David Never Sleeps. Make sure you go check that out. Um, and you can get like unreleased stuff. And hold on, Jeremy. I'm almost done. Okay. I, I'm doing commercials. We got to pay the bills. I love it. Oh, dang. I don't got my my phone number. I don't know it. You know what? You know my number? Hold on. Y'all can text me. I do pick up this phone, too. I, I actually text. So I got it. 404-737-4935. Make sure you text me. Yeah, make sure you text me. All right, cool. And uh, we're right back. Jeremy. Yeah. Thank you, man. Absolutely. No doubt. Thank you. Yo, real quick, and I know you got to go. We're going to close this out. But can I get like a five-minute conversation for my Patreon members. Okay. So Patreon is like people, it's like unreleased stuff. So everybody gets this, but you got like five, 10 minutes. Okay. Real quick. Okay. We'll make it quick. Okay. Yeah. Let's close it out. All right. So Jeremy, let everybody know how to find you, man. Again, thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you. Not only just the podcast, but your uh, mentorship to mm-hmm. me, mm-hmm. your, mm-hmm. um, your tutelage, um, just 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 being who you are there's nothing that you have that Simpson Ben if the real estate event you are doing next week weekend sold out sold out sold out done you missed it does well will you do more that's what I'm really thinking about doing you know we we can't do big stuff right now we're gonna do small stuff so I'm gonna do small stuff and if it works out we're gonna do it continuously and you know, make it small, easy, you know, groups where I can really get my point across. Uh, so it's sold out, but yeah, if this one works out, we'll do some more. Maybe we'll start doing them in Orlando. Maybe we'll do them in uh, Fort Lauderdale. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Shout out to the doctor for the $25. The doctor, doctor, doctor. Oh, doctor, no money. Normally give $100. Doctor, only get $25. What's the matter, doctor? You lose your patience or what? Still waiting on the lazy river. Lazy river. Well, we'll talk about it. I'll be there on the 19th. Why you earlier? Honestly, let me tell you something. That freaking lazy river saved me today. Uh, I had such a rotten day with so many things going on that, you know, my wife says, hey, why don't you go get in the pool? It's really nice out here. This is before this lousy rain came. You know, I was sitting there depressed, thinking about this old stuff going on. And I says, you know what? She's right. So I took a nice swim and got some exercise around the river. But the goddamn pumps, I think, are cuckoo now. I swear to God, the pump was going the wrong way and pushing me instead of helping me. I'm telling you, I got to talk to that goddamn pool guy. So it was like a workout going against the goddamn current. All right, what else you got? Um, David G. David G. Thanks for the $10. $10, thank you. And by the way, you know, I know a lot of people say, oh, I don't like the podcast, blah, blah, blah. 
you know, I appreciate, and Rafal really appreciates everybody that watches the podcast. It ain't a big thing like the videos, but hey, every bit helps. Rafal needs to eat, and, uh, you know, it helps a lot. And his motorcycle, tell us, Rafal, he tells me today what happened. Yeah, I was uh, trying throwing the trash today, and I uh, noticed the empty parking spot where my motorcycle usually sits there and it's gone so my motorcycle was stolen today from not a bad neighborhood though i think that's so. when you start seeing things are getting really bad when things start getting stored people start going out stealing they need money okay yeah. so you know i'm sorry your bike got stolen i know uh it was your favorite bike you europeans like that motorcycle stuff especially yeah, he, I think you guys got more motorcycles than cars in Poland, don't you? Uh, no, not in Poland. Oh, but, uh, but a lot of those countries. A lot of scooters. Scooters? 50s. Anyways. All right, so listen, Rafael needs a new motorcycle, so come on, help him out here. You know, poor Polak living here in Florida. He's used to the cold weather. He's sweating it out. That's why I bought a bike, so the wind's on him. Okay. Uh, give him okay. yours. Anyways. Trying to buy a 14 unit for 990 grand, 25% down, 800 credit score, and banks are asking for a four three quarter rate with 520 recourse loan. I would, I could buy it cash. Any ideas how to get a, resp- a reasonable offer? Listen, you're 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 getting ready to pay how much? How much is that deal? 990. $990,000, almost a million dollars, 14 units. So how much is that a door? Roughly about, what's that, 77 times uh, 10 is 700, 7 times 4 is 28, so it's about 70 a door. Right? 72, yeah. All right, so, sounds like a good deal. Hopefully you did all your homework and make sure the rents are going to equal and pay you all the bills and leave you something left over. Hope you got a good return. But, um... I mean, if the banks are willing, you know, the point is, you know, if you're going to put out cash, then you got to get a discount, okay? Cash is king. You know, if they want a quick cash deal, baby, they got to give you a discount. So I would try and then go out and refinance it, okay? Uh, So, you know, that's an option. That's probably what I would do. You know, that's what I always do. If I have the cash, I try to buy up the cash quick and cheap. And then I go back to the bank later. So, but in the meantime, I mean, how much is, what's the question? What's the, what's this rate for something? You know, I mean, you know, you shop around, get different rates. I don't know. It depends on where the building is. If it's an A, a B, a C. Uh, it depends on the bank you're dealing with. It depends on how strong you are. You know, have you gone Fannie or Freddie? If you're looking for long-term debt. I mean, you know, every situation's different, but you know, you should definitely always go to more than one bank and get a um, a commitment letter. You know, give them all the information on the property, show them who you are, and say, "Give me a commitment on this deal." You know, and and there's uh, you know, tons of banks out there, but I wouldn't go with only one bank giving you an offer. But it didn't sound like a bad offer. What was he talking about now? He was talking about a 14 unit, 990 grand building. 25% down, 800 credit store, score, and banks are asking for three-quarter rate with 520 Three-quarter rate? I don't know what Let that Let me means. see it, please. He wrote out three-quarter. 
Hello, hello, hello. Here we go. We got four and three-quarter rating minutes. He's getting 4.75 is three-quarter rate. 4.75 with a 5.2 recourse low. Oh. Full recourse. I don't know. You know, you can bargain. Ask him for a lower rate. You know, say, hey, do you loan, uh, you know, with uh, a spread against the LIBOR? You know, or what do you, what do you, what do you, don't be afraid to ask questions to banks, okay? They loan you money based on a certain rate. You know, they got the cost of funds, they got the LIBOR, they got the treasury. You know, find out what they're loaning you and how many points they're making on it. I'm going to be honest with you. A bank's got to make minimum two points to just, you know, to operate. You know, it's called the, you know, cost of funds. Um, you know, what it costs them to operate. The bank's got to make a couple of points. Unbelievable, right, that they managed to kind of resuscitate themselves and transform themselves. But they had, they might be a sui generis. You know, it's maybe they were just in such an unusual position and had were so deeply rooted in so many parts of the world and had such a deep bench that that was possible. But the rule is you don't get to... It's not going to last longer than a generation or so. Maybe that's... Maybe part of the answer is that's fine as long as you don't think about Google, as long as you think about you, right? So... um, Years ago, I remember doing this, this first time I, this was hit home to me. Um, I went to Rochester, and in Rochester, in the, used to be a high technology hub, right? Kodak, uh, Xerox, Bausch & Lohm. But one of the biggest employers in Rochester, high-tech employers in the 1960s, was... Uh, General Dynamics, I think General Dynamics, one of the big defense contractors. They employed vast numbers of engineers. And they basically, their business model implodes after the Vietnam War, and they shut down their operations in Rochester and moved away. And everyone said, oh my God, it's over, right? One of the biggest employers in town has folded. And what happened if you went back 10 years later was you discovered that the talent that left, that was kicked out of General Dynamics, went on to start so many startups in Rochester that they sparked a whole second wave that ended up actually being, um, in terms of employment and income brought into the city, greater than the benefit General Dynamics had had risen. In other words, so Google may fall one day, probably will, but you won't. You all guys will all, hopefully, many of you will go on and do other incredibly cool things because of what you, in part, what you learned while you were here. So you, you can look at it two ways. There's a pessimistic view, but there's also a view that says, no, it's part of the natural cycle. You probably don't want to be working at Google. Am I, is this horrible to say? <laughs> um, 25 years from now. You know, you... And nor does society want you to be if, if this company doesn't evolve in dramatic. Maybe it will. I mean, I'm just using Google as a stand-in for, 
let's use another company. Let's say, <laughs> let's say Microsoft. I mean, at this point, would the world be better off if Microsoft disappeared tomorrow? Yeah. How many, how many unbelievably talented people are trapped working on the umpteenth version of Word? Right? Like, that's not a good use of 150 IQ points. Um, so I don't, you know, I would, I'd be, I would be less, um, I'd be more kind of sanguine about this problem than you might be at the moment. Awesome, thank you. <laughs> I can't think of a better note to end on, so. I was like, boo, he kind of extra. Like, he talking about I changed his life. She's like, nah, bro. My man was getting $1,500. He just spoke for an hour virtually and got 10 grand. So she was like, yo, own that. I was like, come on then, girl. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so, like, for real, and everybody not getting that. I got some people getting $1,500, $2,500, four grand. It's all over the place, right? Yeah, right? But the fact that you can do that virtually or in person, Ain't changed lives, ain't nothing like it. So Bro, I worked forty hours a week to make three thousand dollars a month. Oh yeah, the cheesecake factory. And so you see why when you first asked how about the price, I even feel weird sharing it because all my partners. Marcus, like Neo, Josh, like all the homies is like, bro, your course is like, it need to be five grand for everything that you're doing. And they got access to you and they coming on Yo, the don't calls. Don't let Neo pressure you because he be pressuring me, bro. Every time <laughs> yeah. I talk to him, I'm not charging enough. Like, I'm like, yo, bro. Every me. time. Every time. <laughs> and I be hearing it. And but, but when people sure. in my community was like, yeah, I would have paid five grand for this. Mm. I would have paid more. That's why when you first asked how much and I was like, it's two grand, and you was like, can we get a discount? That's why I was a slightly hesitant, because it was just like, because I'm on camera, too. Right. A pressure. <laughs> you know what? Yo, listen, if you... But, I, but to, I love it, though. I don't, I'm not going to renege. For sure. No, 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 but let's, let's just check this out. If it... Because things change. We don't know how... This joint is going to be on for 10 years, right? Right. So if it changes, just promise me it will be a discount under what you normally charge. Yes, on for next sure. Level Speakers Academy. Never came across this motherfucking video. Nigga got me mad like this. You faggot motherfucking bitch. That's what you is, Charleston White. That's what the fuck you is, nigga. Okay? How many times I got to make videos about your bitch ass, nigga? How many times I got to check your bitch ass? I told you, motherfucker, to watch what the fuck you say, you dumb motherfucker. A bitch ass nigga. I don't agree with no motherfucking nation of Islam. The reason why I don't agree with them because they don't believe the same thing that the regular Muslims believe. They are not Sunni, okay? They don't believe what we believe. They don't believe in life after death. They don't believe in judgment day, nigga. The Quran says clearly talks about judgment day and warns you of judgment day, motherfucker. All these books warn a judgment day, okay? Now, you sitting here taking a risk talking about God and saying that he don't exist when you don't know what the fuck is out there in the motherfucking universe, you dumb motherfucker. 
okay? You ain't been on this motherfucking earth, nigga, no more than 40 or 50 years, you old dolphin looking motherfucker. Probably younger than me. I'm about to be 50 motherfucking years old, nigga, and your ass looks 65, motherfucker. Dolphin ass motherfucker talking all that motherfucking shit. If I don't got nothing good to say about somebody, I'm not going to say nothing at all. If somebody come at me and they got a problem with your bitch ass, then I got to come back and check your dumb ass again. Until you listen to what the fuck people are saying about your stupid ass nigga. Then I Fuck it off. 
Man, guess what you did? I fucked that shit off. You fucked it off. <laughs> Is it, listen, <laughs> listen, bro. You did exactly what they thought you was going to do. You could have been... See, this is how you finesse. What you should have did, you should have just went on to pay them their money back, right? And mm-hmm. then, once you would have paid them their money back, they would have been on dick. So now they're trying to give you five, six, seven, ten, fifteen. You know what I'm saying? Because their whole goal is to get you to start spending money. Right. That's their goal. They want you to spend their money because they make interest off it. They keep offering you shit and you not really spending or you spending it little, they know you got a bag. All right, give me a $100,000 credit card. Guess what I'm going to do every month on it? I'm going to go get gas. I'm going to get gas. I'm going to go get gas twice a week and barely use that bitch. Like, I don't need that shit. Now they trying to hit me with the two, three hundred, four hundred, unlimited, right? Because they want you to spend mm. the money. That's how they make money off you. But you know what you did? You showed them the nigger. You feel me? You got real niggerish. You got real niggerish, gang. You took the 1500 and you finessed. And guess what they did? They dipped you back down. Oh, What's your credit yeah, score? Tell them your credit score again. It's like a five song. Ooh, five boy. Song. They didn't only did they... Not only did they dick you down, they they gave you a disease too. Yeah, they got down on me. I'm thinking, on you know what I'm saying. I knew it was gonna fuck me up in the long run, but you know what I'm saying. It ain't shit to be covered. Yeah. And they did it raw. They fucked you raw, mm-hmm. gang. Yeah, so I'm like, you know what I'm saying, like you like damn, they throwing me. Gonna put up, put in the music. People think oh, I'm gonna go to the studio every day, and one of these songs gonna be a hit. Yeah, one of them songs gonna be hit, but not if you don't got no money. You have to have some money behind the song. Period. It ain't gonna work. Nobody's gonna hear. You're only gonna set yourself up for the these bigger artists who have money to be digging like they do. These bigger artists, they don't do anything but go on YouTube, find artists who don't got no money, and steal their shit. You feel me? They steal this shit. Yes, y'all know. Y'all heard about it. Oh, man, that was my song I made in 2015. That was my song I made in 2014. That is not fake. That's all real. They're going to go take your song and switch that shit around. So, you need to stop putting out that fucking music and get a bag. Get the bag. You get more respect anyways from everybody. From the vloggers. From this person. From that person. They definitely want to see you come from the ground up. But they definitely want you to have everybody, like for me, right? I, like, I'm I'm assigned somebody, right? But me, I need a hustler like myself. You feel me? Like, you, like, when you look at all these other artists who have these guys that they sign, notice that they sign big hustlers. Big time niggas that's getting money, big, you know, niggas ain't really just going to sign the niggas that ain't got no type of hustle in them because... It's almost like a drag. It's almost like a, you know what I'm saying? It's one of them like, damn, bro, you feel me? Like, niggas is looking for that, that hustling nigga, the nigga that make you excited when they come around because they always get to the bag. That's fun. You want a, you want a fun motherfucker. Like, you know that they always got their head out that's needy. You know what I'm saying? So most of the time, that's what people, 
Like if it's a street guy, they looking for it. They got bags and they looking for niggas to sign. They looking for stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? So on the other end, as far as labels, they more look for younger shorties who they can kind of fuck over. You know what I'm saying? That's the new game right now. When you too smart, they don't really be wanting too much to deal with you because it's like, you too smart. <laughs> but we can get this little 17, 16, 15 year old nigga that we can blow him up big and really check a bag off his ass because he don't know nothing about nothing. $50,000 is like $500,000 to him, a million dollars to him, you know what I'm saying? Get his ass a few little chains and then shit, let him do a show, but we gonna make majority of all the money off his this, off that, this, that. They basically just sucking the motherfucker dry, but they gonna make him super, super famous, you know what I'm saying? So that's why you see a lot of people that was real famous that's younger, not real, real rich. They don't be really rich. You know what I'm saying? You just be like, damn, I thought this person was like rich, rich. But nah, because the labels is getting rich as fuck off this person. But they spoon feeding them. You know what I mean? So you just got to have your paperwork in order. You got to have your management in order. You got to have your account in order. You have to have your lawyer on retainer. You know what I'm saying? You have to... Um, you gotta have, if you ask Captain uh, BMI shit together, you know what I'm saying? And it's basically just about having the finances, man. It's just like a business. Your music is a business, you know what I'm saying? And I just feel like a lot of people don't understand that. You, how are you so good at music and then when it comes to the business or contracts or, um, Finances, up, you don't know anything about it, but you talking about you, you clearly just doing music for no reason. And in your head, you're not thinking that I'm gonna be the biggest rapper in the world. Okay, what comes with being the biggest rapper in the world? Damn, lawyers, um, accountants, uh, taxes. Um, you feel me? That's how you gotta think. That's the only way that you gonna really be the top nigga in the world. You know what I'm saying? I don't see no other way of being the biggest rapper in the world if you ain't thinking like that. You know what I'm saying? You just going to the studio doing some music because clearly you're wasting your money. Also, if you go start your LLC, let's say whatever you call your LLC, Trap Boy or Big Dog LLC, right? So if you got an LLC and it's about music, from the studio should be a write-off. When you go in the studio and you pay for your studio time, let's say if you spend five hours a day in the studio, everything should be a write-off. All the clothes you buy, you as an artist should be a write-off. The cars you're driving, it should be a write-off. Where you stand should be a write-off. You're an artist, you're an entertainer, always. Every, when you go in the strip club, you, I need 5,000 ones, but give me a receipt. You feel me? Get that to your account. That should be a write-off because you're an artist. You're a brand. But a lot of y'all niggas is just wasting y'all money and not knowing this, though. When you go shoot that video, that's a write-off. When you go get that car for your video or hop on that jet for your video or whatever you got to do, it's all a write-off. It's just about being smart and knowing what you need to know to be a bigger artist. Like, this is how you... Like, be a successful music artist, bro. Like, without... You don't have to be real major. 
we're talking about a successful music artist, you know what I mean? Like, because like I said, you can take over the music game, right? But you, most of these musicians, they are dipped off into other things that's making a lot of money. Whether it's real estate, whether it's this, whether it's that. That's where their real money come from. The music is cool, but I mean, the fame level, man, you can go to it. Also, I'm gonna tell y'all, you can actually, let's say you really like Interscope. Let's say you really like 300. You can actually go to them and, and let them know like, hey, I want to partner with you guys. I want to, I want to have a partnership, and you can basically pay them to help push you. You know what I'm saying? All this shit is not what people think. Like, as far as like, from the blogs to, you know what I'm saying? All this shit is done right, but it takes some money though. Don't be cheap. If you cheap, then people won't treat you like shit. You know what I'm saying? If if they feel like you really believe in yourself, spend that bread, you gonna get far. But a lot of people who who, who have companies and who have business that are cheap don't get nowhere because it takes money to make money. No matter in what field you do, it takes other country. And that didn't always happen there. Some people were much too, um, like if you talk to some State Department workers, you'll see, you'll see it too, where they're much too America forward. And I feel like that's a mistake. Like, you need to keep that perspective because that is your goal. Like, your your mission is to represent and do what's best for America. But if you can't understand what the Russians or the Chinese are thinking and feeling, you're, you're going to miss it. You know, you're going to miss the mark. So... Um, like on, like you have to understand motivations and vulnerabilities and that's really the only way to do it. So when I met, when I started working with all these amazing people at the CAA, um, my perspective was just broadened, I think. And then I met people, you're not supposed to be, um, uh, political there. And so there was much less. You're not supposed to be? No. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're, I mean, I think any federal government agency is like that. You're not supposed, you are supposed to represent the government. The government changes political parties constantly. Right. Um, so you're not really supposed to like, like there aren't a lot of conversations where people are like, you feel like you're inundated with liberal ideas or inundated with conservative ideas. People just speak their mind. They speak it in an intelligent way and there's always reasoning behind it. And for me, that's, you know, there has to be, there has to be depth to mm -hmm. the conversation. Like if you just start, if somebody's just spewing ideas, there's, there has to be more, more to that. Mm. Right. Did you ever have any moral qualms with some of your missions that you got sent on when you were when you first got in there and you had to get sent over? I mean, I don't know how much of the work that you you were involved in was like part of like regime changes or like greed on parts of yeah different things the U.S. was doing in other countries. So I worked um, I worked covert influence for a period and I loved it. Um, the covert influence. influence yeah so there's covert influence and there's covert action covert action um is like bave pigs right like they right. went in and nobody was supposed to know that it was america 
Um, covert influence is much more subtle. It's it's like um, what Russia does to us, basically. Um, you know, changing hearts, like trying to influence elections yes, and stuff, influencing hearts and minds um, to get a certain result, right? Oh, okay. So you're really targeting people and i have this social work background i studied psychology for a bit in in college and i just thought it was so fascinating like you think about your 